Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Carlos interviews Dr. Janice Wang and Dr. Francisco Barbosa Escobar about their work on multisensory extended reality food experiences. Welcome everyone to the Customer Experience Management Podcast. Uh, we are in season four. And today I have a couple of very special guests. Uh, they have been in the podcast before, but many things have changed since the last time that we had the podcast, different institutions, different positions. Um, and we're going to be talking about experiences in extended reality, uh, in particular, multi-sensory food experiences in extended reality. So my two guests today are Janice Wang. She is now in Copenhagen University. Yes an associate professor with a very, very interesting research program that we have been discussing. We are currently in Denmark and we have been discussing about some of the aspects of her projects um, in the past days. Uh, and we also have Francisco Escobar, uh, Francisco Arbosa Escobar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just swapped the, the last names. Um, and uh, he is currently a postdoc in Copenhagen Business School. Um, so before they were working in Aarhus University, that's the, the first podcast that we had together. So welcome, Janice San Francisco. It is a pleasure to be with here with you here today. Thank you very much, Carlos. Thank It's you, Carlos. also very nice to be here with you in a lovely sunny day in Denmark, which does not happen very often. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very yeah. nice. Thank you, Carlos. Yes, Thank actually, we had a, a very nice walk uh, by the beach recently. And a that very was... multi-sensory experience. Exactly. <laughs> physical. <laughs> Proper physical multi-sensory experience. <laughs> Uh, but the topic of today is actually around virtual experiences. So uh, we're going to be talking about, as I said, multi-sensory extended reality food experiences. And I guess the first question that uh, would be nice to remind to, to, to our listeners is, what is extended reality? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Carlos, we were talking about this before the, the interview. Actually, what we have been discussing all day is the fact that we often use terms that are not very clearly defined and we work with assumptions about what certain terms mean. Um, so without going into too much detail, I would say that extended reality um, can, be re can be thought of as a catch-all term that includes things like virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, you know, virtual augmented or uh, mixed reality. Um, that somehow involves the combination of the physical world with a digital world um, where the user is able to interact with both of them. And we were discussing about how this element of interactivity is actually quite key in what creates a, I guess, successful virtual or augmented reality experience. That is, yeah, that, that, that is uh, very interesting. So in a way, uh, if we connect to the first part, podcast that we recorded, we can say that, you know, we have this reality-virtuality continuum. Yes. And there are certain technologies like, like augmented reality. We overlap digital information to the physical world. Augmented virtuality, we bring something from the physical world to the virtual, to the virtual world. world. And then and virtual reality, yeah. uh, which is just fully immersed, full-blown. Mm -hmm. uh, virtual different world. Virtual, virtual, virtual experience. So one of the things that you have been doing in the past uh, months and years uh, have been, you know, discussing what are the possibilities of food experiences in, in the context of ex extended reality and more particularly multi-sensory food experiences, perhaps experiences that capitalize on different sensory inputs in the context of extended reality. 
So what are these uh, extended multi-sensory food experiences uh, that, that, that are out there that can be studied or designed? Ooh, that's a big question. And Carlos, when you say multi-sensory food experiences, for me, that sounds like a totalism. Um, yeah. <laughs> because by nature, if you're eating food, at least, that comes with smell, that comes with taste, that comes with touch. Yes. We were just discussing how taste perhaps does not exist on its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in the review paper that all of us have written <laughs> um, about the use of VR in consumer and sensory science, we were broadly dividing the use cases into scenarios where eating is not actually involved. For example, looking at food expectations or shopping scenarios. And then we also have cases where there's actual consumption of food um, that can ha- and what happens in that case in a in a VR or even AR space. Mm. So Frank and I have both worked with food and maybe we just talk about the consumption cases because that's a bit more interesting. You have the actual food. Mm. Um, I'm yeah, trying to put a, a framework on how we can discuss this. So maybe we can, maybe let's, let's experiment a little bit. And I would suggest a framework in which we look at a difference between playing with the eating experience in terms of either changing or augmenting the the flavor of the food mm-hmm. versus having virtual or augmented experiences with food but the goal is perhaps not just about the flavor change but it could be about commensality it could be about behavioral change so where eating mm-hmm. is a part but that's not the like the goal so we can divide this into two parts and that would be a bit easier to to dive into yeah and with the note that by flavor we mean the complex flavor that involves multiple senses in a way so the integration of smell and taste and perhaps other senses so i think that that's actually something that i don't recall if we have actually defined that in 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 previous podcasts but i think this is a good moment to to kind of like provide a little bit of a definition of that because typically when people uh, talk about flavor or taste you maybe use them interchangeably mm-hmm. in spoken language and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, from the research, we know that taste is what happens on the tongue. So that's a very small subset, let's say, of sensations. with sour, bitter, salty, umami, perhaps metallic, fatty acid. Uh, but what what is flavor? So, <laughs> and, I guess, <laughs> and I guess I don't want to get into like a philosophical <laughs> discussion of what is flavor. But, you know, practically speaking, how can we uh, know what is flavor? So I think a perhaps quite widely accepted definition of flavor is that it's the integration of taste, which happens on the tongue, and touch, which happens in the mouth, and um, retronasal olfaction, which actually happens in the nose, but we attribute it to to the to the mouth. Um, and some people would argue that sight and hearing might also contribute to flavor, but this is a little bit more controversial. And I can give one example of some VR studies that I've conducted that kind of ties directly into this question. Right. So, so for example, we have um, done two coffee studies that are technically augmented virtuality because we have people taste an actual coffee that exists both in the physical world and it has a digital twin in the virtual world. 
and we put a tracker on the cup so that when you move the coffee in the real world, it also moves in the virtual world. Except we manipulate the color of the coffee, so it looks either dark brown or light brown, to give the illusion of the coffee having uh, maybe milk or creamer in it. And then we were at least able to show from um, participant evaluation that the coffee tastes more creamy when the color is light brown compared to dark brown. That is interesting. So it's an it's an example of you know color induced uh, flavor differences. We this this is not a you know, unique thing that only happens in VR. We can also do real world studies where you change the color of beverages, for example. Um, but with VR, we are able to set up interesting scenarios like making black coffee look lighter. That would be more difficult to set up in the real world. So in this case, I would say the value of using VR in a food study, in this case, is to make possible experiments that would otherwise be difficult to do in the real world. Right, that makes sense. So if you want to change the color of a beverage offline, let's say you have to use colorants and you have to control for the viscosity, the texture, like different attributes, well, in VR, you might just simply have, or in augmented reality or augmented virtuality, you might just have like the, the, the liquid, let's say, that's that template liquid, just to call it in some way, and then just virtually change. So in, I guess in experimental speak, it's a very clean manipulation. Yeah. And the fun thing is you can do this in VR, but it's also possible to do this in augmented reality. Yeah. And in, um, in augmented reality, you have fun cases where you can play with low level features of the food. Like you can manipulate the standard deviation of the food colors. So you can make a sushi seem much juice, a piece of sushi seem juicier just by, man by manipulating the, the frequency of the low level features. And that is interesting because perhaps you can have a more nuanced, let's say manipulation yes, exactly. in an easier way, right? Because yeah. if you want to add colorants, then getting very subtle color variations might be more difficult than if you just have like a digital overlap. Yeah. of color that then you can just simply com computer-based change the color properties in one way or another, right? Yes, and you yeah. can go all the way to change it from salmon to tuna, perhaps. Which, yeah, it's a bit more complicated but, or perceptually more different, but, but still you can, you can play around with, with all this. And I, I should just add that, you know, how easy something is depends on which field you come from. Yeah. So I work in the Department of Food Science where I would believe that for some people working there, it's much easier to subtly change the color of something in real world yeah. um, mm -hmm. compared to having to write a computer vision algorithm that could <laughs> subtly <laughs> change the color, of course. But with the advent of um, AI, I think it's actually, it will be easier. Accessible, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you, you don't have to code up the machine vision program yourself to detect the food. Mm. Um, so let me go back to your uh, initial idea or say experimental classification yes. of we have like these two sort of like experiences one would be about we have a food product or a specific flavor that we want to augment or change so we might exactly. vary digital elements in extended reality associated with it and then we can see you know how we can make something perhaps sweeter more creamy or just change mm -hmm. you know the perceptual attributes of the product yes but then you also talked about this other exactly. set of or group of uh, experiences which is not necessarily about the food, although it could involve the food as well, I mm -hmm. imagine, but it's more about the setting, let's say, in which you eat or the sort of interaction. So can you tell us more about this second one as well? So um, I think this falls under the general area of digital commensality, 
-hmm. uh, which does not necessarily have to involve extended reality. You know, you can just have a Zoom session where you eat together. Um, But for me, I think there are interesting studies where you have people eating while being together in a virtual space. And um, I think the use of pass-through AR technology so maybe we should explain what pass-through is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good, good idea. Yeah. Um, so, so that's when you can, for example, you can have a VR headset, um, but you also have cameras from the VR headset that's recording the real world. And you can, um, so, you know, pass, I don't want to say pass that information through, but that's exactly, <laughs> essentially what yeah. is happening. Right. Um, so while you're wearing a VR headset, you can also selectively capture parts of the physical world. Um, And one study I really like is from Professor Thomas Bjorner at Aalborg University. Uh, He conducted this study a few years ago um, in the context of a very interesting project involving the elderly. Mm -hmm. So um, the goal of the project was to solve the problem of the elderly feeling lonely while being at home. So um, he set up a a pass-through technology so that you could be sitting in a very lovely looking virtual living room while maybe sitting in your kitchen table and your kitchen might not look as nice. Um, but with the technology, the pass-through technology, you can, he could define to which depth um, the actual kitchen table is captured. So you, he could create a really interesting mixed reality scenario where, say, everything may be in a half meter radius in front of you on the table you could see with the real cameras, so you could see the food you're eating, but everything outside that radius, you would see the virtual environment, which is a very nice living room. And the bonus about that setup is that he had multiple elderly people who were friends sit in different places with a VR headset so that they could also interact in the virtual living room. Mm. And yes, they were, they were having coffee and having snacks, and, and the pass-through technology makes the ability to eat very easy because you literally see the food in front of you. Mm-hmm. But the, the added bonus is that they could also enjoy the social element of eating together. Which uh, I would imagine that is a very critical element in food experiences. more broadly Exactly. Speaking, if we're right? talking about food experiences, not just flavor okay. experiences. Exactly. So how do you have to exchange with people? And for some of these elderly people, it was difficult to go out to a public place One, because it would take a lot of effort for them to maybe get ready, put on the the right clothes. Um, Some of them also had problems swallowing. So they felt um, a certain degree of shame in being outside to be exposed in a public. They didn't want to show their difficulties eating in front of other people, but they still wanted to be able to socialize with their friends. Mm -hmm. So being in in VR takes away that kind of shame because and while keeping the, the social element. So I really like this example because you can use extended reality technologies to help people that otherwise have difficulty being in public um, enjoy the social experience. That is super interesting. And I think, uh, I mean, perhaps more broadly speaking, these extended technology uh, realities, what they're, what, or technologies, right? What they're doing is uh, potentially addressing some challenges that we have at present that we might not uh, address otherwise, like allowing the elderly, even if they cannot move from their house, mm-hmm. to perhaps have interactions and eat together and things like that. But then that, that, that makes me think of a, of a specific question, which is 
what are the challenges of implementing this at scale? So if you think about, you know, the elderly using virtual reality, is it too complex to be used by them? Uh, actually, Second question would be like things such as, uh, you know, like how expensive is it to have a massive group of the elderly owning a VR headset? They're cheap, they're getting cheaper, faster, yes. I guess. That potentially may be address, but I, I don't know. What's your take on that? Um, so based on what we heard, um, so Thomas was uh, part of a workshop we hosted last week, also as part of the, the Carlsberg project that I'm running. Um, he said that surprisingly, the elderly like really yeah. liked the experience. Some of them didn't want to take it off. Oh, they were super capable. Yeah, I mean, they were, it was the Oculus Quest 2. So it's uh, lightweight. It's fairly, mm -hmm. it's pretty cheap. It's getting cheaper and cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, I think just as the, the COVID pandemic somehow taught a lot of people to use Zoom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it could be possible and that we shouldn't overlook the ability of other people to like use VR headsets or or if we're talking about AR experiences, it's very easy with the phone. Yeah. And yeah. We, um, uh, we run this experiment uh, about climate crisis. Uh, we know this is a present problem. Nice. So another way to address specific challenges that we're facing now. So what was the study about? Exactly. So uh, we developed a Snapchat lens in Snapchat Studio, was it? Mm -hmm. uh, I remember how it's called. So we basically had people look at themselves as being older. So we added wrinkles. And we also changed the environment. We added a, an orange hue to seem as if the world was already on fire. Oh, there was smoke in the background. Smoke, <laughs> ashes. That is interesting. So let me just try to, to put the picture. So this is like you're holding your phone. Mm -hmm. and yeah, then on Snapchat. On, with Snapchat. Yeah. And then you're seeing yourself through the app. Yes. yes. And the app is showing yourself as if you were older. Yes, as if you were in the future. Ah, so Hopefully not... not a, not so soon, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically we wanted to manipulate the, the psychological distance to climate crisis. We know people nice. feel that climate crisis is very far away in time, but also in the people that they that climate crisis will affect. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to reduce, to use AR to reduce this distance. Mm -hmm. So we make you seem as if you were in the future and, it, and as if the world was already uh, apocalyptic, an apocalyptic scenario. And we gave people, so they look at themselves and then they had to eat mealworms because we know it's an alternative protein that is, well, allegedly uh, more environmentally friendly. Um, yeah. Uh, Perhaps animal. not so appealing for many people, but, yeah. but for us it is. It is. It, <laughs> they, they were actually pretty delicious. So they, they were really fun. Uh -huh. So you have this social media app that uh, we were surprised that everybody used. I had not used Snapchat well, before that. To, to be fair, I should say this was in Denmark. In this wasn't there, uh, and yes. it might not be true everywhere. Yes, so we've been made aware that in Scandinavia, Snapchat is uh, very popular. Very, very popular, yeah. yes. But Instagram also supports yeah. some AR features. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. So you have this. Um, you can address multiple challenges, and then you have the ability of social media easiness and scalability. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a way, everyone already has a potential AR tool in their pocket. Yes, yeah. and we know companies are investing in the, in this. We don't know how prolific that's going to be, but tools are there um, so I, I i think it's a it's a it's a tool that we can definitely leverage i think that when people think about vr there's still a a notion that vr has to be like in a vr headset mm -hmm. and i mean i even used to think it had to be a vr headset that was you know plugged into a computer right so i think what oculus quest did was to really 
like reduce the notion that oh you have to be tethered to a computer so now this is standalone mm -hmm. um and i think that with the rate of technological development is going to become more lightweight and, and more easy yeah i also think people still have the notion that oh vr is so uh, incipient in its nascency that it doesn't do anything that it's very poor uh, poor quality mm -hmm. uh it has gone a long way in terms of fidelity immersiveness uh mm -hmm. things. so and and at the other direction right ar is becoming so prevalent mm. yes and we already own the the tool so it's actually really interesting to see the merger of of ar and vr mm -hmm. um like with um the apple vision pro yeah. Like we still no one has don't, not no one we don't have a set yet so i can't really say anything but i mean it seems like it's all about pass-through technology yeah. yes um, and with the 3d videos uh that you can now record it with your iphone you can still not play it because uh fish pro but you can record them already so it fun. seems like there really is a trend towards this more mixed reality scenario that will become more and more easy to access Mm -hmm. And I've been checking the statistics of how much investment is going to be in different sectors in both augmented reality and virtual reality in the years to come. And the investment is just going up and up and up in the next year. So there seems to be an interest not only in people's support, but an actually economic investment. So this will mm -hmm. be potentially something in the future. But that also makes, makes one wonder uh, one thing. And maybe there is not like a specific direct answer to this at present. But uh, why would... Okay, I'm going back to the concept of food experiences in extended reality. Why would one want to have food experiences in extended reality? I mean, I imagine there are contexts in which, for example, you're in a fine dining restaurant, you know, do you want to have like a very, intru I don't know, like, I, I love my example of, you know, eating while dinosaurs are walking around you <laughs> or things like that. You might be able to play with elements that are real, not real, what we talked about in the other podcast. But, uh, so why would I like to bring these elements as sort of new ingredients to food experiences, uh, if you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe the second, first question, and then the second question would be, is there any cases in which we wouldn't or wouldn't like to bring them? Um, I would say from a perhaps a bit more business side, uh, prototyping, uh, kind of experimenting with... I mean, you can experiment with, with packaging, extrinsic cues, but also with, with the food itself. Like, oh, what if we just change the color of this um, with sustainable foods? Perhaps they're not that aesthetically appealing. Can we manipulate something to make it easier on the eye so people can try it and then get more engaged with that? I, I would say that that's a good starting point. So say like uh, using it for research purposes is, would be like one of, and you mentioned it earlier as well, like just as a tool for understanding better how people relate to different foods and how different sensory cues as part of the food experiences might actually transform the experience. Then this is an perhaps sometimes easier or implementable way to do it. So Carlos, I, I really like your question uh -huh. um, because I actually think, and I feel like this is going to come back to bite me in the butt at some point. <laughs> I think that food, the actual eating experience in XR might be like one of the last things that get done. Because eating has this evolutionary perspective, you really want to be safe about mm. what you're putting in the mouth. So people might naturally be a bit more reluctant, especially if you can't really see the food right. or if they know it's virtual, like there's a there's inherent fear. It's different when it's, you know, in a gastronomic setting. 
when when people are more playful, more experiential, you can have like small bites that are very interesting and, and mind blowing and different. But in terms of daily eating on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. um, the example I mentioned with the elderly, that's a little bit different because as pass through technology, it's actually just like, you know, you still have the safety of, of you know, eating the food in front of you. Um, how many people would be willing to eat full meals with, you know, full on multisensory augmentation? I'm not sure that might be a small minority. But I think there there is a value in food related XR experiences, for example, when it comes to food shopping. Mm. And this is related to what Frank was talking about was changing the packaging, changing the presentation. We can help people become more familiar with certain types of food mm-hmm. um, that they might not be otherwise in real life. Um, I have a Novo Nordisk funded project on consumer behavior change, mm-hmm. where we're going to be looking at what does it mean to shop for food in the metaverse? Mm-hmm. You know, Can we design some sort of supermarket of the future that could bring additional value to people where you can't get that in a normal supermarket? Um, Sorry, I really like wine, so I'm always <laughs> plugging my uh, wine ideas. And I think that our products, like wine or coffee or chocolate or even you know, organic vegetables, for example, where it's beneficial to learn more about what you're buying, mm-hmm. the consumer could be confused in, term- in the case of wine, or they just really want to know where the food comes from. So then if you are able to use extended reality and have like a digital twin. Um, You could, for example, be transported to where the wine is made Hmm. or be transported to see where the vegetables are grown, where do you get your honey. Um, So I think there are certain products where getting this kind of additional information uh, could be very helpful. And there are cases where it would be more useful to present this kind of information in a multi-sensory way compared to just reading a brochure mm. or reading a long information sheet. And perhaps yeah. a more experiential way as well, Yes, right? exactly. So it's not that you just sit down and read and have like all these stamps on the packaging. Or... I mean, some people like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would imagine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, but for other people, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we've been doing um, kind of, not promoting, but we've been doing this research trying to bring people to the terroir of foods. Uh, mm-hmm. The first paper we wrote, Carlos, um, was on specialty coffee and virtual reality, mm-hmm. bringing people to the coffee farm uh, and seeing how this influences the premium perception of specialty coffee. Um, then you probably have some boundary conditions because coffee has been commoditized for so long. Um, but then we haven't seen this really used in, in, in the wild. Uh, have we? I don't know if you if you have any if you have seen this being used for by actual companies, uh, besides some augmented reality things that tell you about some recipes and perhaps how the wine was made with the twenty one crimes. Is it? Oh, uh, it's not how the wine is made, but it, they tell you a story that's it's completely a, unrelated, unrelated to the product to, inside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's this case, and I think I think we discussed it at some point in in one of our papers of of this tequila uh, in Mexico called Patron. Yes, very they famous. They take brand. you through a VR experience through the production process of the tequila, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, as if you and, and you are like a bee in the fields of the crops, you know, and all the different things. So, uh, but but 
once again, I mean, uh, the, the question that, that I would wonder myself in a, in a case of that one is, is it something that, is, is this going to be like an ad in virtual reality? Or is this going to be like a promotions event when I go to the supermarket and then they say like, do you want to try the Patron experience or something like that? And then you just have a stand there where you get into the VR experience and you have like this super immersive, interesting mm -hmm. yeah. experience. Um, and, and I guess this would be a different at a different stage of the eating journey, mm -hmm. like before mm -hmm. you start dating, right? With your exactly, when you're because, because that could build brand recognition. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and also the information, you know, and all these different things, uh, or afterwards. So as you're increase engagement. Yeah. Um, uh, but when it comes to the, the, like the, the place, like the eating experience where you are eating, then how, how would this be, or how would you imagine that this can be integrated beyond fine dining restaurants and... Uh, other occasions is this something that you see at some point in the future maybe, maybe not now but maybe in the future that uh, you're sitting down at home and maybe you want to experience with your friends a very nice experience <laughs> and then you're all connected to us to vr and going to space you know to have a launch in the international space station or, or I, mean, I would I, love that i, I don't know yeah, exactly yeah. i i see this perhaps being used with uh meal kits like meal prep kits I know there's, of course, a war between different companies. Uh, but what if you add a multisensory experience to the meal package you get perhaps every week uh, and make it social or being in a different world with your friends, with the meal package? So I think the meal kit touches on a really good point, which is not, it's not just about eating, but cooking and food preparation. Yes. I think that's a right. big have... area. I mean, augmented reality in terms of teaching you how to cook. Um, yeah. One of the, I forgot who it was, someone from the HCI group in Copenhagen University was talking about they work with touch, tactile technology. Um, imagine that you could learn to cook mm -hmm. from someone else where you, you could literally feel their arms doing uh, certain things. So yeah. like it's like cooking together in a slightly strange way, perhaps. Um, but I think cooking is a very unexplored space in terms of what could happen with XR. That is very interesting. So it's not necessarily like, you know, the moment where you sit down at the table and eat together in some sort of like extended real interaction, but it's like there are many associated food experiences. Many touch points on the journey. Many yes. on the journey, like cooking, you know, uh, where you might even have like, you know, a virtual avatars or companions that are part of the cooking process the cooking experience, yes. Yes. you might be able to choose you know who you are in that context i don't know like yeah. interesting things or like, like a little chef that teaches or exactly. gives you recipes yes. um uh -huh. points to you which things in the kitchen you can oh. use yes <laughs> like mm. because cooking is so such a maybe social or interactive there, there are ways um and while eating i can also see this the social element again like Maybe it's not necessarily that the food itself should be augmented, but our eating companions should be augmented. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't you love to have dinner with Nietzsche and Shakespeare? Yeah. <laughs> you can use generative AI to have... Uh, but that is quite interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if this was implemented, but at some point I was discussing with somebody in Norway about saying you go to a Viking museum. Mm -hmm. And then you want to experience how was the, I want to, uh, the yeah. Viking way of eating. Yes. And then mm -hmm. you just put up your headset and you have all the cooking ingredients from the time and then you're like as if you were a viking with other vikings you know just sitting in the table and experiencing as if it was 
but it's uh, it's also a possible way to travel across time and yes and now yeah. when you said that i was just thinking wow okay you also need a some sort of olfactometer to deliver the smell experience right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole the whole kit the whole thing and touching on your if i may Cookie. Yeah. Touching on, on the other uh, second part of your question, when should we not use them? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm a proponent, very big proponent of purpose. Mm -hmm. um, right. As we mentioned in the podcast, and I, I try to live by purpose. <laughs> um, I love the technology. I love all the, all the things, capabilities you can do. Um, but I think the personal contact, personal touch, it's important. Um, kind of this... Yes, this physical, social aspect. Uh, so not forgetting, even eating with your hands. A lot of people don't like eating with their hands. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's part of the whole eating experience. Um, the enjoyment, it's completely different. It depends on the context, but, but I guess so. Also, perhaps maybe if you get into the more ethical realm with reviving a mammoth and trying to yeah, experience mammoth meat, perhaps maybe it's... In this case, it's better done with AR, VR, try to simulate how it feels in different ways. Mm -hmm. So perhaps in that case, it should be used instead of the mammoth. So, well, there's also the sushi example, right? Yeah. Of if you really want to eat some you know, endangered Extinct, fish yeah. species. Katsunori Okahima. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, again, it should be done with a purpose and not forget that we're humans and most of us crave some... And I think that's kind of like a general uh, broad takeaway of or broad point to consider when using extended reality technologies, which is like, yes, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of technological capabilities. It is super interesting. And, you know, we can see in our own discussions that we are like, oh, my God, this is super interesting. Mm -hmm. We want to do all these different things. But then we shouldn't lose of sight this idea of what for what purpose. And not only what purpose from the sense of what is the functional value or the sort of value that it adds to a given thing, but also purpose in, in terms of thinking what are, what are the consequences of doing it? You know, it's like what is the, the meaning behind it? You know, how is this going to help, not help, and potentially transform the way we interact with foods? Yeah. And who's left behind with the technologies? Right, which is another very interesting point. Uh, and it's like, if you look at the v, the, the AR adoption, and as, as you were saying, Janice, earlier, is like, you know, ma many of us have already like a smartphone with some mm -hmm. sort of like AR cap capability. Yes. So it's relatively widely, not fully by any means. There are many places in the world that might not necessarily have the capabilities. And then we look at the, when we look at the virtual reality, then of course it, it gets much smaller, the adoption yes. of, of headsets and things. And then might be worth also looking at who is using it and then how yeah. we might also consider the ones that are not. Yeah. Yeah. For any reason, whether it's geographic or um, economic or, or social capabilities. Or... Yeah. I feel like it's very it's a very difficult question because as researchers we kind of naturally want to explore the kind of the, the corners yes. of yeah. things. We want to play with technologies. We want to explore, you know, things that are not already popular because we want to see what happens um yeah i i feel like there's two ends of the spectrum because like with the elderly example i'm becoming really increasingly interested in thinking about people with disabilities yeah. and how technologies can actually give them the ability to experience something that maybe other people take for granted or how do mm. we augment their abilities um, so maybe I have these rose-colored glasses where I think technology can always be used for good. Um, 
that said, you know, we are sitting here. You flew all the way here to Denmark. Uh-huh. We're having a physical uh, workshop where we sh- sat down and shared real food face to face. So I feel like at the same time, you know, not everything is a nail just because we have a hammer that's new and shiny. Right. So maybe this is a good moment uh, for me to say that uh, some of the topics that we have been talking about uh, are actual research papers that Janice and San Francisco have been publishing in the past years. So yeah. And also others. And, and also yeah. others, of course. Uh, so in particular, the work that they have done, I'm going to be posting some of those articles in the description in the bio so that you can access them as well as their contact details. Please check their websites out. This is not the only topics that they cover. They have very, very interesting research programs with very, very diverse research articles, uh, everything involving technologies, the senses, you know, and food experiences. So please go and check that out and, and uh, you will also find their contact details in case you have any questions. So uh, I think we're getting toward the end of the podcast uh, now, but I, have, I do have a couple of questions uh, before we finish. Um, the first one is, uh, Janice, you mentioned about this workshop that you were doing yes. uh, very recently. And, and, you know, we have been talking about it in the past couple of days about it. And I find that so many interesting things derive from it. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened? You know, what did you discuss? And yes, of some course. key takeaways, I guess. Yeah, thank you so much, Carlos, for yeah. inviting me to, to talk about this. Um, I'm a very... A curious and experimental person, as you probably found out, even with this workshop right now. I'm I, always. I can I can give yeah. uh, you know <laughs> my vote on that. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, I I have this grant from the Carlsberg Foundation to explore multisensory flavor, uh, let's say illusions or uh, perceptual uh, findings. And I also take this opportunity to come up with new ways to bring people together. And with the purpose of this workshop is that I invited researchers from across Danish institutions who work with VR and or food in some way. And it was extremely interesting. And Francisco can can agree with me on this because we had people from business schools, um, from computer science departments, from food science departments, from psychology. Um, And it was very interesting because at some point, we had the computer science people ask, oh, what do you mean by satiation? Mm-hmm. Um, like words that food science people take for granted. Right. And I just thought it was really fun. So what, what happened was that I had everyone come together. Um, they all had to make a short presentation about how they have worked with VR and food. And also, where do they think the technology is going? And what is like one new scenario that they can think of? Mm. And this, even just this exchange, because Denmark is not a big country. And all except one person from the workshop were based in Copenhagen. And even then, people didn't know each other's works. Interesting. Um, And it kind of made me realize that, wow, maybe this kind of, it's really cross-disciplinary, but topic-focused, small workshops. And it would benefit even more by the... You know, like the interconnect, the farther interconnection of these fields, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. But I really felt like, wow, this is what we should do more of instead of having, you know, a, like a departmental meeting or like a computer science meeting. Mm, um, yes. It was really, really great to bring people from di- different disciplines who all kind of cared about the same topic. That is very interesting. And uh, what are maybe a few couple of points perhaps that uh, came out of the meeting so the, I guess the first one is very very clear is like 
a topic like this one that is so multidisciplinary because you have technology development, you know, all research on food, all the psychology of food perception, exactly. all different things. Like I, I would imagine that you can basically refine what everyone is doing by considering what everyone is doing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but what other general points did you... Um, would you like so to... I think cooking was one of them, actually. Yeah? Okay. A lot of people talked about cooking. Mm -hmm. uh, gamification of food in terms of reducing neophobia. That was also one of the uh -huh. terms that the computer <laughs> science people didn't know what neophobia meant. Uh -huh. um, some, some sort of how do we engage, especially with younger people, mm -hmm. um, how can we include some sort of playful experiences mm -hmm. to expose them to more diversity of food? Um, Francisco, can you remember other... Um, I think, well, back to that workshop and our yeah. uh, workshop right now, I think the other senses kind of including sense of touch. I'm also biased because I love <laughs> like everything so much sensory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but I think it was it was touched by by a couple of them. Mm -hmm. um, so they're looking into how we can leverage these senses to enhance uh, experiences even more. And yeah, play and, with. And I think in general, this idea of goal driven research or behavioral change maybe that's because that's the that's in the air. Everybody's talking yeah. about behavioral change right now. Um, behavioral change and accessibility. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess there are like many pressing human challenges that we are facing who are changing people's behavior toward something. Yes, that's huge mm. on the agenda. Nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what else derives from these sort of discussions that you've been having and, and uh, yeah, inviting you to another podcast from now so that we can talk about that <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a few time from here from now. Uh, as as you know from from this podcast, I typically end it with one final question, and that final question is: uh, so We have many practitioners, many students, many people that are interested in seeing, you know, how they can use this in their work and stuff like that. So, based on all these research and discussions, you know, one sort of like work that you're doing in the context of uh, extended food reality, food experiences. What would you advise people that are working on these? Uh, I mean, I guess the advice could be directed to people maybe thinking of extended reality research mm -hmm. or specifically food in extended reality. Um, for me, I think it's just go get a headset, try it out, play with things. Um, Carlos, it's like you're very involved with the whole blockchain community, right? <laughs> like the best way to study something is to just dive in and try it. Right. Um, I Like... I'm I'm always like I I just got a new uh, MetaQuest three headset in my office, and nice. I was like playing with the Play games on time. it. <laughs> it's really important. Yeah. If we're yeah. studying these technologies, you kind of have to really try to use it and not just theorize about it. Right. I mean, because yeah. you can read or you can read and get a general framework and stuff, but the, the most important thing is that with a minimum understanding, go and get your hands dirty. Exactly. Yes. Right? And it's not expensive. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely on the waiting list for it. <laughs> Apple uh, <laughs> Pro, <laughs> whenever it comes out. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, for me, it's very important to just kind of really get a sense of how these technologies work. That is a very nice advice. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think uh, it's all about um, trying to get out of your comfort zone. Uh, be mindful that you don't know everything, um, that people are doing crazy things and important things out there. So... Try to talk to people, um, try to a bit forget what you know and talk to different people, do a cross-disciplinary, multidisciplinary, because collaboration is amazing. You learn so much. You can do amazing things together. And 
yeah, I think we should not have this myopic view that we all go through this step. I think, oh, yes, this is the most important thing. What I do is the most important thing. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> um, I think that is also a fantastic uh, recommendation. You know, it's like one in my, my own personal experience, one of the, some of the best projects that I, that I have seen happening are those where there is a, perhaps psychologist going to a food science department, knocking the door and asking, you know, this, this or that, <laughs> or a food science person going to a computer science department saying like, hey, what do we do? But even in industry, right? It's yeah. like, you are a brand manager, maybe you are training marketing or business administration, you don't know much about computer science, Definitely. but then you go and knock the door of an a generative AI person and you just have a chat and it's yes. like, what are you doing? What am I doing? And then you just connect over, what can we do together? And then you end up going crazy sometimes with ideas yes. that might actually change the world. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's my commentation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, Janice Francisco, this was fantastic. I'm very happy that we uh, had both the workshop that we're finishing today mm -hmm. and also this space to you know, talk a little bit about the research that you're doing on uh, extended reality. So thank you very much for being in the podcast once again. Thank, thank you, you, Carlos, for inviting us. And yeah, amazing time.